Welcome to Three Cops Talk. On this podcast, three active duty police officers discuss behind the scenes stories and real life accounts of what it's like to be a cop. Every episode, you'll get an inside look at the challenges and dangers they face on a daily basis, as well as the triumphs and inspirational moments that make it all worth it. If you want to understand more about the men and women who put their lives on the line for us every day, then this is the show for you. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Three Cops Talk. This is Sean, as usual, joining you from South Carolina. Um, I've got a full house today yet again. This is a streak. Uh... Uh, the band's back together again for this long, and there's been no infighting to cuss. Like halfway through the tour, we're going to break up again. Um, we're getting the band back you know, together. I, uh, what am I going to do with my red leather pants if we do anyway? So, uh, right, right. but lover you know, it's nice. we're we're a lover boy reference right there. Those Canadian rockers always bringing it home. Um, it was it's a tribute band more than it is anything else. But uh, you know, it's you know, turn me loose. You're working for the weekend. We bring the place down on that stuff. So it's really listen good. to you. Right. Yeah. Hey. I'm Man, stunned. look at you. You're you're a well-rounded. You know history. You know yeah. music. As you wrong. heard, there's the Polish Fog and Rich Uncle Chris uh-huh. coming from Florida. And then the thrifty Norwegian Big Sergeant Scott is also here with yep. us. Uh, yep. He's yep. Uh, Anything you want to say about Illinois real quick so we can just get that taken uh, care of? You know, that local yeah, right. Come on now. Let's just, you know what? Let's do one without me saying something. Like, Negative uh, about Illinois? Remember what your parents used to say? Like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So... Oh yeah, words uh, words you live by. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah, right, you know right, I adhere right. closely to that. Right. But, uh, <laughs> um, dear chief, uh, dear, I can't uh, believe Scott said that uh, either. Uh, Illinois. Um, uh, let's let's uh, come back to that. I, I got. No, I mean, I got. I got. No, I got nothing. Gas came down twenty five cents. Did it really? Oh, buy yourself something nice. Yeah. Right. So that'll help with the college tuition. Stop go. riding my bike to work. There you go. The right car. there you go. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, anyway, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how, like, we as a profession have been undermined by a lot of reasons, you know, like a lot of things. Like some of the stuff, like uh, we, we said on this show, we, we've earned some of the reasons where people might not trust us based upon, you know, things that we see that maybe are lawful but awful or even just things that are not lawful that are, you know, within the age of uh, media, social media has kind of taken that to a whole new level. And it's difficult you know, to do our work as it is. And then when it's undermined by people that are on both sides that are kind of throwing things out there, like, you know, support the police no matter what, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, there's more to it than that. You know, if you're a responsible elected official saying to support the police, no matter what is something that you should probably clarify a little bit more. Uh, don't support the police when they're being, you know, uh, uh, ham handed overreach, you know, too much involved, you know, lawful, but awful. Could they have taken another action? Because what it does is it just enables people on that level. And you're starting to see that now. We talked about that a little bit where it's now starting to slide back because no one supported the police for the longest time. It buoyed people into office that ran on the idea of, hey, uh, you know, the police are pretty much the, the causes of all of our problems in society. And now you're seeing those four folks that live in a lot of those areas where the police have depoliced because of the lack of support or whatever it is, resources. Now uh, you can't replace cops as fast as you used to because not that many people are wanting to come into it. So, you know, when you're talking about being undermined, it's not just the police world that we're seeing this though. And that's why we've got our guest on here today that we do. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Now, 
we've all broken up. Uh, you know, the band's broken up. But we're getting back together like, again, other than for the lover boy and rib fest and things like that, uh, or wherever we, <laughs> you know, I guess I'll have to edit that out. But, uh, the, uh, the idea of that is, I, I didn't see it much in South Carolina. I mean, that's a pretty solid red state that we're talking about there. So it's kind of, you know, status quo here. I mean, like it is what it is. The people that are supposed to get elected, get elected. There's nothing really weird or different happening, at least on, on the surface. Now, Florida, Chris, I mean, that, is where the birthplace of, you know, challenging elections occurred. You remember the hanging Chad? The hanging Chad, yes. That's now yeah. been relegated to like a, a section innuendo. But the bottom line is right, that's right. where that started when <laughs> Gore ran against uh, Bush and Bush barely beat him. Um, at least that's right. what people tell you. And since then, it's like almost as you know, as conspiracy theorist based as JFK shooting is. So obviously, Florida big is. Uh, what's the status down there now? He's hearing, seeing, hearing. Yeah, but down here, I mean, what's happening down here is really what what I see happening. Like today, the, the governor came out with. Um, apparently, there was a DA in California, someplace that was not prosecuting or only prosecuting certain crimes, mm -hmm. whether it be black people, white people. Asians or whatever, he was only um, prosecuting certain crimes of certain certain uh, the certain different uh, races. And he started as soon as he heard that, he's like, all right, I want all my DAs audited. And sure enough, he found someone that was kind of doing the same thing. And he suspended him as of this morning. I think what's happening down here is I think that um, our governor and the people in this state want stuff to be done actively, correctly, and, and not so much reactive, but proactive. Mm. Scott, do you, now you do have a chance to speak in an educated manner um, about Ooh, Illinois. Yeah. Well, yeah. good luck with that. Um, Did you get qualified yeah, immunity back? I mean, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we're good. We're good. Oh, you uh, got it back. Yeah, no, yeah, no, they, they, they got that. They got that dealt with in that bill. Oh, see, it's a win. Okay, move on. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things are looking up. Um, and, and gas is down no, a quarter. I mean, it's, there like, you go. it's like I won the lottery. I mean, I almost, I was pretty close you'll, to the You'll be able to get a U-Haul again, it's right? You'll like, be able to get like, a U-Haul for local like 20 moves. That's like 20 miles away. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, elections here, I mean, come on. You know, you guys were you guys were here in Illinois. You know how things are. I mean, Cook County, Chicago is what drives everything else right. in the state. Um, I don't, like suburban elections, I'm not aware of any drama or anything that came of any elections out here the last go around. And I mean, I was out voting and didn't see anything or wasn't made aware of any issues, but there's always commentary about the elections in Chicago and, you know, v dead people voting and people going out and ballot harvesting and all that different kind of stuff. Well, I went and back to the history so, of like when Kennedy ran against Nixon and uh, Kennedy, his father, Joe, supposedly told the the folks that run Chicago, you got to bring Chicago home for for Kennedy because it was that closely contested race. So you know, but Chicago and and, and Illinois is kind of notorious for this, and people don't have faith in the elections; they just don't, and that's a concern because when people lose faith faith in the basic institutions that make a country a country, a free and open country like the police or their politicians, or now you're talking about elections, when people are like, well, elections don't matter anymore, it's like, well, then. Why do we do them? Like, I remember like when the communists were in full throated swing in the world, they would say, well, you know, this candidate ran and he won 99.9% .9 of the vote. You're like, yeah, of course he did, because, you know, that's how it works, right. you know? Um, so 
because we threw out all the other ones. We're fortunate enough that through my connections, yeah. my personal connections, I have a guy that was right in the middle of the most recent one going on out there. And probably one of the most unlikely places, if you could think about it. Like, I never imagined that was going to be the battleground where it was. But... Our guest earned a BA in political science and criminal justice from the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina in the best graduating year, 1989. We closed out the 80s and they've been trying to keep up with us since. Um, He spent three (laughs) years studying to become a Catholic priest and then went on to teach high school for two years before starting work as the DeKalb County, Georgia police officer in 1994. He served terms as the chief investigator for the DeKalb County DA's office. Uh, the director of the Cold Case Homicide Squad for the Fulton County's DA's office, and the chief investigator for the Secretary of State's office. In 2015, he was appointed state elections director for the Georgia Secretary of State's office, just in time for the most volatile six years in elections in Georgia's <laughs> histories. And I'd make an argument, maybe some of our nation's history. Um, in twenty July of 2021, he was appointed as deputy director of the Georgia Peace Officer Standards and Training Council. He lives in Decatur, Georgia, with his wife of 26 years, uh, and where they have raised their four children. In his spare times, he enjoys working out, reading, and training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So he's just not a house cat. He'll like literally choke you out. Right. I mean, if you like, you, but it'll be all fair. It's probably really good. But please welcome our guest, Chris Harvey. Chris, thanks for being here. We really hey, appreciate it. Hey, Chris, thank you, you so well, much. Hey, Chris. Chris. how you doing here? Um, yeah, I, uh, you mentioned jujitsu. I actually just got done rolling about uh, 15 minutes ago. And uh, I didn't start jujitsu until after I left elections. But boy, if there was ever a job I needed, uh, better health. <laughs> <laughs> I started it about a year later. Right. And here's Chris Harvey with somebody who's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu chokehold. Right, 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 right. As we're trying to ask questions. Wait a minute. Yeah. Get that off camera. Wow. I mean, I, I imagine that pressure of that. And then again, we're just going to kind of let you run uh, and start where you can, where it makes sense for listeners to understand. Like, I mean, some of the other stuff we talked about, we've had guests on the show who can understand like cold case and things like that. But like, this is unique. This is very unique yeah. to be in charge of something like that through the secretary of state's office. And we watched it all in the news and we got snippets and it's definitely something that's very worthy of concern. If a trend like this continues. Um, so please, uh, kind of elaborate on that. If you, if you don't mind, if, if there's a front story to it, please go with that. But, uh, I'm really interested in, in hearing about how that went for you as a cop. Yeah. I, you know, after what about, um, 12, 13 years working in kind of traditional law enforcement. You know, DeKalb County is basically the eastern half of Metro Atlanta. Um, Fulton County, DeKalb County, sort of the the downtown Atlanta area that most people think of. And so I did all the the normal cop things. I worked homicide for DeKalb County. Um, And then most of my time in in the two DA's office were working on homicide cases. And uh, in 2007, I was actually looking for a job um, in another state agency and I, I called up somebody who I knew had uh, just gone to work for the Secretary of State's office. She was actually a prosecutor in DeKalb, who's now currently a Supreme Court justice in Georgia. Uh, but I called her up and said, hey, do you know anybody in these state agencies? And she said, well, I'm looking for a chief investigator at the Secretary of State's office. Would you be interested? And I said, I've never heard of investigations at the Secretary of State's office. What do you do? And she told me they do uh, mostly licensing, professional licensing, uh, security right. fraud, and then ele- she mentioned elections. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of boring. But okay, so I, I went to work in 2007 as the chief investigator. <laughs> I'll take it. And, uh, right. and most of my time actually was spent in elections. Um, 
because it's such a specialized field. Um, the only people that understand elections are the people that do elections. And, and mm-hmm. everybody else, they know the experience of, the way, of when they go and vote, but they have no idea what the, what the backstory is, what the preparation is, and all that kind of stuff. So for, for about seven or eight years, um, I investigated mostly election cases, and I presented every case to the state election board. Um, and we would, the state election board would meet four or five times a year, and we would have you know, 50 to 60 cases. And sometimes they're real small things, like somebody didn't get mailed an absentee ballot or somebody filled out a form wrong or somebody helped somebody that they shouldn't have helped. They were, you know, real nickel and dime kind of stuff. We had a couple cases that were interesting, yeah. um, but but I basically learned to play defense on elections. And, you know, law enforcement is largely playing defense. So after about eight years of that, I got a, a text actually um, that said I needed to, to meet the secretary of state uh, eight o'clock on Friday morning. Um, and I said, okay, do I need to bring anything? They said, no, just show up. And I thought, damn, this isn't going to be good. Um, and I was right, <laughs> but not in the way I thought. I, I sat down with now Governor mm-hmm. uh, Brian Kemp, who had been the Secretary of State. Um, he was Secretary of State from 2010. So I'd worked with him for, for five and a half years. And I sat down and he said, I want to make you the state elections director. And I, I kind of thought, well, I thought you were going to fire me. Um, <laughs> not really knowing why, but you get some of the boss. Well, this is, it's already no, no good, yeah, preview, yeah. no, no, nothing. We had not talked about being the elections director. It had not come up. Um, but I said, I, this was on a Friday morning and, and he said, and I'll never forget famous last words after we talked about it a little bit. I asked him, I said, well, do you mind asking why? And he said, well, you, you probably know the election code better than anybody else. And, and one of the jobs I had in presenting the cases to the state election board, I got to know the county election director. Georgia has 159 counties, the second highest number of counties in the, in, in the U.S. Only Texas has more. Uh, really? Yeah, 159. Wow. I have no idea why they did that, but they, they did it. So I got to know the county election directors uh, pretty well through investigations. And, and he said, you know, normally I was kind of their, their nemesis. But, uh, but he said to me, he said, you know, I've talked to a lot of the county election directors. And even though they don't really like to see you come around, you've always treated them well and respectfully. And you've presented the facts. You haven't tried to, to, to jam anybody up. You just you investigate and you, you present the facts. So I asked him if uh, I said, this is a Friday. I said, well, how about if I, I think about it, talk with my wife and, and I talk to you on Monday? He said, that'd be fine. So that Saturday, I called my father. Um, who's also a Citadel graduate, by the way, class of 64. Um, nice. And I called him and I, I told him about this, this offer, this opportunity. And I, I mentioned, by the way, I said, hey, and it's a, it, there's a raise that comes with it. And the first words out of his mouth, um, and maybe the truest words he ever spoke, is you're going to earn every penny of that. And, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> as that good Citadel wisdom, he was not wrong. So I, I accepted yeah. the position and, uh, and got to work. And, uh, and Secretary Kemp at the time said, as we were finishing up, he said, you know, he said, I don't think there's going to be a lot going on elections in the next couple of um, <laughs> He didn't right. go to the Citadel then, I guess <laughs> right. I'm saying, because right. that, that, that didn't yeah, hold he's, true. He's a proud uh, Georgia Bulldog, as are many. Oh, there you go. States. And my son is a is a sophomore at, at UGA, so I'm a I'm a, a blue and a red Bulldog fan. There you um, go. But I, I started to work in, that, in that, uh, that field and enjoyed it, but realized the difference between being the investigator and being the director was like the difference between being the defensive coordinator on a football team and being the offensive coordinator. Um, right. Very completely, even though it's the same game, you've got a completely different mindset. So I had to get into a completely different mindset. And then 
the 2016 election happened. You know, Trump's surprise, surprise win. I remember sitting around in our control room um, the night of the election at seven or eight o'clock uh, thinking, you know, this is, you know, this will be over by 10, 1030. Everybody's talking about how, how Hillary's going to win. And and by I remember at about 1130, maybe close to 12, um, it, it became clear that, that Trump looked like he was going to pull it off. And right. And, and everything kind of changed. And the, the 2016 election in Georgia was actually pretty smooth. There wasn't a lot of not a lot of drama. Um, but everything that happened after that really changed the, the way elections were done. You know, people started talking about Russian hacking and interfering and rigging and all this kind of stuff. Well, Georgia at the time used an all electronic voting system. Uh, as did South Carolina, by the way, and there was no paper trail. It was all computerized, and everything was on these these computer cards. And it it was very efficient, but it made it almost impossible to do an audit. And so, as everybody came suspicious about hacking, we knew we had to go to a uh, to a new voting system. And so that that sort of started percolating in in 2017. And then in 2018, um, we had a, a very contentious governor election. Then my boss, Brian Kemp, who was the Secretary of State at the time was running against Stacey Abrams, who had been the the uh, the House majority leader in the legislature. And uh, if you can recall back to 2018, it got national and international attention with claims right. of suppression and yeah. and racism and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, um, and it really, really got nasty. And it went down to, uh, you know, uh, many, many. I spent more time in federal court in the weeks before that election um, testifying and getting orders from judges and changing things and talking to election directors, um, but it got really, really ugly. And, uh, and it actually bled into, you know, into my personal life with even frankly, family members, um, would, would contact me and say, you know, God, I didn't know you were such a terrible person that you would be doing all this terrible stuff. And I said, I'm not, um, (laughs) people at, people in my neighborhood, you're like, I was, I was already a cop. I don't need any more. Right. Thank you. Um, Yeah. But I got a raise. But I got a raise. <laughs> where, I, where I live in Decatur is is probably the bluest part of the entire state. It's right near Emory University, and it's 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 the and it's very politically active. The people are are very very involved, and uh, so every time I came home, it was like you know people giving me the stink eye, um, and uh, and so we got through the 2018 election, and and I got to point out, you know, the that's really when that was really the first time maybe not the first time, but certainly the first time in my experience where the, the losing candidate in, in her final speech uh, essentially accused the, the winning candidate of, of stealing the election, of scheming, of using um, illegal, immoral, unethical means to win, um, which wasn't true. But, um, but, but they went on a, a, a campaign of, and they started an organization that, that was uh, uh, is still going now uh, they're interested in voter registration and participation, education, all that stuff, all worthy things. But um, but that really started the uh, the idea of 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 contesting was the election legitimate? Is the governor really the governor? Um, and, and it got kind of ugly then. And then right after that, we moved into getting a new voting system in 2019, which has when you do talk about putting in new voting systems in 159 counties, um, it's a it was a huge task. Then we roll into covid. And then we run into the 2020 election where every, not everything, but many things had to be changed or altered. We had to move to elections and moving elections is like moving aircraft carriers. You don't do it just, you don't say, Hey, just right. over here. What do you mean? Move um, counties? Yeah. You're yeah. talking about, right. okay. you know, 
ballots have to go out X number of days in advance and they have to be back by this time and stuff has to be printed and voter registration deadlines. And, and, and it was really a, uh, a very, very grinding situation. And, and a lot of the counties, uh, they were, they lost all their poll workers, you know, the poll workers in Georgia tend to be retired elderly folks. And those are the people that were being told to stay away from everything in COVID. Yeah, right. Um, Highest risk. Yeah. So, so we're trying to, to build this new, with this new voting system, we're trying to educate the public all in isolation and lockdown. Um, we got a tremendous amount of support from a lot of people, um, people that don't normally, didn't normally work with, with uh, the Republicans, uh, people like the ACLU, um, the Home Depot, uh, the State Bar Association, everybody came together and, and we got it done. And, uh, and it, was, it was a tough, tough haul to get it done. But as we sat in the uh, emergency management center on election night at about three or four o'clock in the morning, we kind of looked around at each other and said, boy, that went pretty well. And uh, and we thought we had had, had kind of dodged a bullet. The results weren't in yet. It was still close in Georgia. Um, but but nothing really dramatic happened on Election Day. Um, and then in the days that, that came out and, and the problem was that the metro counties in Georgia, which tend to be much more Democratic, they had a bunch of absentee votes that had to be, you know, uploaded and they had to be counted after the election, which is completely legal. Um, and then the the numbers started to change. So on election night, you know, you had Trump ahead. And then as these metro counties started uploading their results on some absentee ballots, his lead kept diminishing, diminishing, diminishing. And right. by I think the Saturday after the election, um, you know, they called Georgia for Biden and um, and and everybody up to that time had kind of held their fire. Nobody really wanted to say, well, it's good or it's bad because you don't want to say it stinks and then end up find out you win. Um, but right. after that Saturday, the, the gloves came off and, uh, and, and it really got ugly. We, uh, we got tons and tons of emails and phone calls, um, harassment, um, some threats. Um, and then we looked at we were looking at a state runoff and then we were looking at a federal runoff for the two U.S. senators for uh, David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, who had special election runoffs in January. And uh, and so in the midst of all these allegations and these these threats and misinformation and all that stuff, we had to get ready to hold another election. Um, what about eight weeks later? And uh, kind of came to a head on January 4th, the day before the runoff, when um People had already, you know, uh, the, the the president had gone off and said how, how bad Georgia was. And he'd been, you know, casting, um, you know, insults at the governor and the secretary of state. Um, I got a call from somebody in Washington, D.C. that said, uh, uh, Chris, your name, a picture of your house, your home address, um, everything like that is on the dark web. Um, and you got an email from the enemies of the people saying, come kill you. Wow. And uh, saying the saying uh, say goodbye to your family every time you leave the house because one of these times you're not going to come back, and uh, and I sort of chuckled. I said I've been a cop for a long time. I do that every day. <laughs> so right, 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 right. Um, I've God, been yeah, right. 1994, but uh, but it's unnerving to have your picture of your house and your home address, um, and this this email that went to my personal email saying that uh, that that I was going to uh, be killed. And there were other people in our office that got got similar threats. Secretary Raffensperger got uh, more vile threats than that directed at his family. So um, I called the, the city police and they sent over a car within about an hour or two and they stayed out in front of my house for about two weeks. Um, the Secretary of State had had 24 hours security. Other people in our office had police protection. And uh, and it really, uh, you know, it really sapped the, 
the the morale and the uh, um, the uh, of the the county election workers and everybody that had worked so hard to get this done, and right. uh, and and so we started to see it, it kind of build, and uh, and now it's become almost a common thing for for people to question election integrity as soon as they lose and uh, and it really is having a, a very very corrosive um, effect on on our democracy and people's interest and involvement now a question for you going back to like those nights like uh, the imagery we all can associate it with it is just what we're watching it was like they're taping up windows they're not being very transparent why are they doing those things and now that i hear what you just said i'm thinking to myself and correct me where I'm wrong on any of this stuff. Was this done so you could do the work and get it done without being harassed? Or was it people were like, they're going to ID me and I might, my shit's going to be on the dark web and they're going to try to kill me too. Was that some well, of that or? Well, no, actually the, the taping up windows, I think was in Michigan. Um, was it okay. okay? Yeah. That wasn't in Georgia. Everything we did in Georgia was, was open and that, that okay. sort of fueled the fire. I mean, it, it had to be open and it had to be open legally. And more importantly, it had to be opened. Uh, had to be open for transparency. But what the counties experienced was that things that nobody had ever come to um, for years now were being flooded by by hundreds of people that were angry and that were protesting. We had mm-hmm. counties where they couldn't get equipment in and out of the building because the, the crowds had surrounded them. We had um, we had people that, uh, that I'm sure you all guys saw the, the video from State Farm Arena where they were pulling the, the containers out from under the table and, and that Right. Giuliani and people in the, the Trump administration that see that's proof they're doing it. Well, I, I know exactly what happened in that scenario because I was I was part of that. Um, we'd got we'd seen on Twitter that Fulton County was going to stop counting ballots at 1030 that night. And I called their election director and said, what's going on? He said, I'm not at State Farm. I'm at our main warehouse. So he called the guy that was State Farm. And if you watch the video, you can actually see the guy. His, uh, I know his name, but I won't say it. Um, he, he actually picks up the phone and you can see his shoulder sort of slump because he was tired. I mean, they'd been working since three o'clock. Yeah, in the right, morning. right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I bet. And they wanted, yeah. they, they weren't going to finish that night anyway. And so his thought was, well, look, let's, let's shut it down. Now we'll pick it up again in the morning. Um, the, so they had started shutting it down, which accounted for the stuff being put away. And then he said, no, we got to keep going. So they started pulling the stuff out. Well, that, you know, that's what actually happened. Um, right. imagine that could lend itself to some sort of like, you know, you're dealing with, it was just like being in the army. Like when your soldiers got fatigued, they're no good to anybody. You know what I mean? They're oh, going to yeah. do more dangerous things like those kind of things. Yeah. Are, but they totally impact that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. But then you have to have a chain of evidence too, right. like a custody chain of evidence. I mean, you don't, you don't stick ballots in a suitcase and throw them under the table. No, no. Then they had, they had security and all it was, it was going to be, it was going to be secured, but, but that the, the, the optics of that without any commentary got, Right. First, and and that's right. what everybody's right. talking about. We had a, another situation where uh, a poll worker was was pulling absentee ballots um, out of the envelopes on an assembly line thing, like they were supposed to do. And this was all public. Um, and somebody had put some instructions in there, and he he pulled out the the, the instructions, which are, are trash, and he crumpled them up and and you know threw it in the trash can. And that got put on Twitter and said they're destroying ballots in Fulton County. And anybody who had ever seen a ballot knows a ballot's, you know, about the size of a legal piece of paper. It's on thick cardstock. And this mm-hmm. is a small piece of paper. But this guy's um, name, tag number, address, everything was put on the web. And he was he was, you know, stopped at, at intersections and and um, identified and harassed. You had other people in Fulton County, you had other people in the state 
um, that were that were identified and uh, and targeted and uh, and and it was really a bad situation. Well, I mean, I, well, yeah, like you said, you've got you've you've got people who are, you know, you said they they're maybe retired from other jobs. They're they're doing this as as a second career or maybe even doing some volunteering in in some places. And now here they are thinking, hey, I'm just trying to do help my you know civic duty of of helping an election, and here I'm getting stopped at intersections right. and threatened and followed home. And I mean, you know, I mean, I, completely it's, mirrors. It's, it's, I'm sure it took a toll yeah, on it mirrors the what's happening that, to yeah. cops. Like everything you do, it could be subject to misinterpretation and someone will take it and run with it. And now we're seeing as guys that are, you know, up there in the years of working people going, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to have to face that, you know, 24 seven, I have a body camera on or somebody's a video on me. I, you know, people just don't want to deal with it because of the threats and the, you know, coming to people's houses. I mean, people saw what happened in the middle of all this stuff. So again, this goes along the lines of some of the sh- other shows we talked about folks and that the undermining of our very democracy is at, is at play here. And people would say, well, you know, this is kind of a drive, whatever it is, what it is. Trump lost, he conceded. It is what it is. But it matter is, is like, but then moving forward in places like that, you're not going to have people that are going to go, yeah, I'm going to step forward. And like we say in law enforcement, who are you going to get to do it? And are they going to be the best quality people for the work? One, everybody's inexperienced. Could you run a police department with inexperienced police officers? Everybody's brand new. You might be able to pull it off, but right. you know, it's not going to be easy and a lot and of mistakes will be made. And you're changing the face. Yeah. You're changing the, you're changing the whole process of elections. Like Chris said, you're, you've gone now from, um, you know, where we just, we had an election, one party wins, one loses. Hopefully the one concedes. Now we started this new thing where we're going to automatically say, well, the election's fixed or there was some kind of, you know, shenanigans here and it wasn't a legitimate election. And then it just opens that whole can of worms because all that misinformation gets out there. People are seeing these little, these little snippets of thing that's that Chris is talking about and it's getting misinterpreted and it's blowing up into You know, it's affecting the whole process and all the people. That and it is. And and one of the one of the difficulties, and it's a it's kind of a, a long process that's got to take place. But if you think back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you always knew who won the election by the 11 o'clock news. And it was right. it was done that day. Well, yeah. voting has changed dramatically. Um, and, you know, you've got things like uh, mail in ballots, which are completely legitimate. You know, people say, well, this is fraud. There's so many safeguards with so much of this stuff. Um, not that saying nickel and dimes can't happen and two or three people may get together, but there's so much backup and there's so much accountability in the, built into the system, I, certainly in Georgia and, and I believe in other states. Um, but the election has gone from an election day to an election season. It's kind of like Christmas. It starts the day after Halloween and it ends. Like after, right? <laughs> right. And voting right. is taking place for three weeks beforehand. And you've got, in some cases, 50 to 75 percent of the ballots have been cast before Election Day. All that stuff has to be tabulated. All that stuff has to be accounted for. And as soon as somebody doesn't have the the results by the 11 o'clock news on Election Day, they think, oh, my gosh, something terrible has happened. They're back there cooking the books or there's stuff in the boxes. And and there's so much um, there's so much auditability and, and tamper evidence in any of this stuff that if there really were problems going on, um, you'd be able to find it. And that's that's what's kind of uh, disheartening about a lot of this stuff is it's very easy to make claims about fraud. Um, and, and in fact, the Trump campaign filed lawsuits in Georgia and they made pretty wild allegations about X number of people under the age of 18 vote and X number of dead people voted and X number of, of people who don't live in Georgia voted. And they just threw these numbers out there. They never told us who these people were. 
Um, and, and they just made these claims. They ultimately withdrew their lawsuit. But all it takes is 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 saying that stuff. And then people hear it and they latch on and they see that it's taken a couple of days to get done, which is kind of normal now. And their imaginations go wild. And uh, and it really had like I said, it has a really corrosive effect on the confidence in elections. Chris, I have a theory with all of this. And you correct me if I'm, you know, any any of you guys you want to step in and you know, add to it or whatever, or question it. But it seems like, all right, like in places like Chicago, you don't question the election because you know who's already going to win. It's not even questionable. But people don't get really get a good shake out of government on that because government becomes kind of lazy. And they're like, yeah, we got this. It's all good. We're not going to have to go from it. But you're talking a place like Georgia, you're talking a place like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio. A lot of times those states can go back and forth. Like Florida used to do it. Florida used to go back and forth quite a bit. Um, and it seems like that's what we want more out of a democracy. And the fact is that your government's got to stay on its toes because it's got to produce for people because the the victories are so like thin. Like, look, everybody likes to crush their opponent, things like that. But the best Super Bowls and the best games to watch are the ones where it comes right down to the very last minute. And it's like, hey, this is what we want. Do you think that that's a theory that could be held to elections? Like democracies are best, you know, intact when government is held accountable immediately. Like, look, South Carolina is Republican. It is what it is. You know, there's Texas a lot of times, you know. Texas is a state that they're saying is going purple. North Carolina, when we were at school, was always like a red state, always went Republican. Now, North Carolina can go either or. And it seems like that's better for the people that live there than just the whole status quo. Is that something that you could see becoming a problem with this election conspiracy stuff? Well, it it, it can have an effect. And, you know, Georgia for the last 20 years has been a pretty red state, but but Georgia has has expanded dramatically. And there's been a, a lot of people coming in and a lot of businesses. And so the, 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 the political, I guess, uh, landscape of Georgia has changed dramatically. And Georgia is a, a red state with a, with a pretty, uh, pretty uh, purple, bluish background um, right. that's gaining. Um, and so if you think about a state that you just assume is going to be, a, a, you know, go for one party and then it doesn't, it kind of blows your mind. I mean, think back to 2016 when, when um, you know, when Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania those states, the, 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 the iron wall or whatever they called it went for Trump. That, that contributes to it. The, the right, answer to your right. question, I think anytime you've got people voting and make here and having their voices heard um, and being represented, that's a good thing. And what, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of, of Georgia doing in the last, uh, you know, five or six years is participation. Registration has never been higher and turnout. We break records at every single election. So it it puts to bed the the, the one size theory that there's all this suppression and you know they had the whole thing uh, what last year where they took away the all star game because the Georgia voting laws were so terrible and we're we're breaking records with every election so I must have been the worst voter suppressor ever right. because right. we just kept registering more people and more people voting so so that's good but it right. does put a it does right. put a burden it does put a strain on the system and the system has to be able to respond. And and um, as, as I think it was Scott that mentioned, the people that do this now, there is a core group of people that that's their full time job. But when you go to polling places, these are essentially volunteers. I mean, they get paid maybe 10 bucks an hour or something like that. They get a couple hours of training and, and it takes, you know, 10,000 people to run an election in Georgia. And so you're not going to have 10,000 people employed full time. So you've got to use these these basically volunteers. You want to train them as well as you can. You want to make it easy as you can. But it is a, a system this designed um, 
it, it's 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 not going to be perfect. People think that that elections have this mathematical certainty where you just run a computer program and you get a definite number. And it just doesn't work that way because you're dealing with human beings and sometimes they're going to make a mistake and sometimes they're going to forget. And, but, but now it's gone from it's a mistake sure. to any mistake is now politicized. Yeah. You're fixing an election over one little mistake. Right. Yeah. But, 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 but that seems to be like where our society's going. Like they're only going to show you the snippet of the mistake and take that and run wild with it. They're not going to show you, Hey, this is, this is this was actually five votes and uh, these are five ballots and this is what we did to fix it. Um, so it went for whomever it belonged to or whatever or or the corrective behavior is or was. It's just that that little snippet of the mistake or whatever it was that goes viral. And the next thing you know, it you got you know lawsuits coming and all this other stuff that just wastes everybody's time for for a, like an insignificant you know, mistake or error yeah, and, or and misinformation and wasting their time. You're, you're really, you're really cutting down confidence in the system. It, 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 for example, in 2020, um, the whole sort of war against dominion and we used the dominion voting machine system in Georgia, we implemented it in 2020. Um, and it worked well, but you had a, a clerk or somebody in uh, Michigan that, that just made a mistake uploading some numbers and they had to go back and, and correct it. And it was all documented and it was clear and there was no question um, that that's what had happened. But that got the ball rolling against Dominion, and that just snowballed into. Then you had Sharpie Gate, and you had all these these uh, these different things that people started talking about. And you kind of can't put that toothpaste back in the tube once it gets out there, and and when it's being fueled from the top, right? Tell you know, saying they're they're stealing it, right? Um, and here's a mistake. Um, what people don't realize, and and uh, you know, people talk about. Uh, I'm sure you all have heard the the, the famous phone call that, that uh, President Trump had with Secretary Raffensperger, where he's saying, I need you to find me X number of votes. And and that's the subject of, a, of an investigation here in Georgia. Right. But when I talked to people about that, I said, even if Secretary Raffensperger wanted to do that, that's about like putting 14 points on the scoreboard in the last two seconds of the game and hoping that nobody notices. <laughs> but just, right, you can't right. come up with, with 12,000 yeah, right, votes right, and say, oh, right. we... You know, I, I, I hit the wrong button on a calculator. You've got voter certificates. You've got backups. You've got audit logs. You've got handprint. You've got copies of everything. Um, but but all it takes is, is for somebody to say something like that. And the people who don't understand how the system works, they they're very likely to fall. So the Chris, the you know, you talk about obviously you've got these very um, influential, you know, presidential candidates that are driving a lot of this, that the stuff that's, that's creating more hassle for you. But, you know, one of the things we talk about all the time in, in this profession is, you know, social media and none of us are, are the most, you know, always the most savvy with social media, but was the, were these election commissions and boards and election directors, were they trying, you know, it's probably something they hadn't experienced before in the, to this magnitude, but were they, trying to use social media to counteract any of this? And then because you had these 159 different counties, do you have all these different places across the state, um, you know, sending out different messages or is there a way that you can unify that to get that message out from the statewide, the election officials saying, Hey, listen, we're working on this, that story, that's bullshit. This is what we're doing here. This is what we're doing here. You know, is there, was there anything like that that you had accessible or helped you in any way? 
Yeah, th- there was. Uh, to, to the first part of the question, the counties were basically fighting for their lives. They were just trying to keep up with what was going on. And they were even at, right after November, they had to start getting ready for the January runoff. And they're dealing with with hundreds of open record requests and they're trying to 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 get everything finalized. And they had we had to do a hand, we did a hand recount of the president, you know, over four million ballots counted by hand in 159 counties. It had never been done in the U.S like that before. And we had to come up with a plan in about two days. And we had some good people that were helping us do it. Um, But they had to do all that stuff. And they had to, oh yeah, by the way, you had to have Christmas with your families and you had to to have Thanksgiving and do those kinds of things too. Where the the statewide message came from uh, was from the Secretary of State's office and Secretary Raffensperger and and Gabe Sterling, who you've probably seen on TV, um, who I've worked with uh, very closely. um, We, I think they did two press conferences a day where they, they addressed every question. They explained what was going on. Um, and, and the press largely got it. Um, but you had these, these other people that were out here fanning the flames that the last thing they wanted to do was to to have the story go away. And when you talk about social media and sort of community perception, uh, I mentioned that Decatur was a, was a, a very, is a very liberal area. Um, good people, very, very progressive and very forward thinking. Well, after the I mentioned how I kind of got a cool reception in 2018. Well, after the 2020 election on that Saturday, uh, I was out walking my dog in our neighborhood and I actually had somebody come out of their house and come up to me and shake my hand and say, I just want to thank you for everything you did in the election. Um, and I said, you know, you're very welcome. I did the same thing two years ago. Yeah, right. um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I kind of looked and looked down and, but, but it, that's true. I mean, these, these election officials, they want smooth, clean, clear elections. Sure. Um, the last they want to do is to, to make some kind of mistake that's going to hurt the system or hurt the credibility. Um, these folks are the salt of the earth. They're, they're good people. And, uh, and sometimes people make mistakes, but there's always a way to go back and, um, and, and explain it, fix it. And there's a court procedure where you can contest an election and, and you can bring proof and say, hey, I really did get screwed in this election because they threw out X number of votes. And if you can prove it, guess what? You're going to get a new election. Nobody could prove anything in Georgia because, because none of that was done. Now, how did, uh, uh, let me ask you this, because he had three different roles that were pretty significant roles, studying to be a priest, teaching, and being a cop. Which one do you think best prepared you for what you faced through <laughs> all of that? <laughs> oh, oh uh, my that's, God. That's a tough one. Um, I think... Uh, I think I think maybe uh, maybe maybe teaching high school or being a cop was was a little bit better preparation. Um, I tell you, teaching high school was I, I I taught at Bishop England downtown. Oh yeah, uh, Charleston. Oh, there you for go. A couple of years. But boy, talk about a tough yeah, job. Right. Um, I my hat goes off because they they really you know they bust the, the pumps. Um, but I think the you know the fact that that I'd been dealing with some pretty high profile investigations. Um, in my law enforcement career gave me the experience to, to withstand some of the stuff. In, in 2000, um, the DeKalb County Sheriff lost his election to be, to be reelected and he assassinated his successor. Um, really? And that was my case. In the case office. <laughs> hey, dude. Well, that's one way to win. What? God hey, gives you only what you can handle, Chris, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I tell people that, that my, Career kind of, and that kind of that kind of launched my uh, my law enforcement career because I mean, that was nationwide news and and was a big deal and, and I said my my career sort of started with an election a good election that turned into a murder and it's kind of ending 
with a collection that, that almost <laughs> but we got the best guy in the country on it at least you know what i mean holy cow right 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 both that's cases, crazy in both cases, that's crazy. and and in both cases they had they had tragic and near yeah. tragic outcomes Jeez. um right and that just shows what what can happen uh, a guy uh, a friend of mine actually who's a reporter for the ajc wrote a an article about me as i was getting ready to leave that that says you know it, georgia election director uh knows that elections can be murder chris did you like you, i know you said that they were people were posting on the dark web your address you know a lot of your personal information did you were you also getting you know and you, you probably and maybe again, this speaks to your experience as a cop. Were there personal attacks on you too, on your credibility? Were people trying, you know, that 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 seems to happen a lot of times when you're when you're a police officer and you go to court and there's trials. It's like, wait a second, I'm not the one on trial here, and they're trying to say that you know you mishandled this or mishandled that. Did you experience any of that too, or was it more just people putting information out there? Um, it was mostly that. Now there there's some people that have that have not been happy with me in Georgia elections since before twenty twenty. And they they've publicly called for me to resign and they've they've said that I've lied in front of in front of uh, testimony in front of the, the state legislature. They you know they don't they think I'm you know the devil. And so they've done that in the past. Um I did get some some emails and things from from angry people and stuff, but but not so much. I, I think people people kind of jumped over, went to, went to the secretary um, to, to kind of, he was the focal point of a lot of that. And I, I joked because when they put the picture of, of our house on the, on the web, um, <laughs> our house needed a new roof. It needed painting. It needed new gutter. And, and I, I sort of joked that my wife had a hand in it because shortly after that, we got new roof, we've got new gutters. It's been, <laughs> right. I'm not sure. You spun it around. You're right. like, you're like, I'm taking bids for the roof. So since you, since you all know what my house looks like, uh, please, you know, and you have my email, please contact me with it. Don't you think that's part of the course though? Like based on the job you have, you know, that this is going to come no matter who, you know, wins or loses. I mean, you would hope it doesn't because you would hope like, just like we hope, Hey, listen, you did a bad thing. We lock you up, you go to jail. That's it. That's all, you know, take it like a man. But it's just a shame that, you know, all this stuff has to come up when it's just, and, and they're pointing fingers and saying, you're bad, you're bad, you did you And you're like, dude, I just, I just count the votes and make the process. You guys are the ones that voted. What are you yelling at me for? Is that part of it? Uh, yeah. A, a, a little bit of that. I mean, and again, when it gets to be, you know, like, like you were saying before, um, if you get blown out by 30 points, I mean, it kind of sucks, but you don't, that doesn't necessarily keep you up right. at night because you just got your right. butt kicked. Right. Um, when you lose by a field goal in the last second, it hurts right. a lot more. So, I mean, think about, you know, running a campaign, spending probably millions of dollars and, and months or years of your life, and then coming up, you know, 11,000, 12,000 votes short in a mm-hmm. state with, with 4 million right. votes cast. Um, it's got to right. be frustrating. I mean, there's no question. We just had a, in the primary, we just had a, a Republican yeah. primary where the, the current governor um, won the primary by like 50 points. I mean, it was a, it was a complete shellacking. And, and that, that went away really quickly. I mean, nobody right. was saying, or almost <laughs> saying there's fraud. So if, if you can, if you can win convincingly, that has a, that has a pretty healthy effect. And that's why in states like South Carolina or, or Oklahoma or, or, right. or California, you know, a hard blue or a hard red state, they don't have these kind of problems because kind of, right. yeah, I don't want to say a foregone conclusion, but you're not biting your nails to see if California is going to go Republican. Right, right. 
I think they yeah. call uh, Illinois before they call Maine. They actually call Illinois before right. the election. And it, it just, well, and you're like, wait, wait, I didn't vote yet. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, no, it's, sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Chris, where, where do you see it going for the next one? Where do you see this all heading? What, what, if you look into your crystal ball, what do you see? I was just gonna. I was just gonna ask that same question. Like you got, like you, you, yeah. I mean, you hear all this stuff, the red wave coming, all this other stuff. What well, do you I, think? you know, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about predictions for for parties or candidates. But what I, no, no, not win or lose. But what do you think you're going to run into? Well, what 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 I'm doing right now, and I'm, you know, my 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 full time job is working with Georgia Post, working with with uh, the peace officers to to try to keep standards and training up to level, and and that's that's my number one focus, but. But I've gotten um, involved with some other folks that I do kind of on the side, which is integrating law enforcement with election officials and, and, and teaching both sides. But what I'm what I think sort of has the, the political landscape looks like is that I'm afraid that in the in the short term, it's going to still be nasty and you're still going to have. I mean, just look at Arizona. What two days ago I had I had a friend of mine calling me up, screaming and yelling at me about Arizona yesterday on my way home from work. It's like. 12 hours after the election, he's already convinced that there's some fraud going on. I'm like, look, I don't live in Arizona. I got nothing to do with Arizona. But he was he was completely convinced that the fix was in and that everything was going wrong. So I think that's going to continue in places where you've got tight margins. What I'm hopeful for is that as people get more involved and as people understand how the system works, hopefully that'll dispel a lot of these these uh, these conspiracy theories and these myths that are out there. And so when somebody says something ridiculous to an informed person, they're going to say, look, that's not the way this works. This it doesn't happen this way. You can't do that. And and so hopefully right. that'll take some of the right. steam out of these these conspiracy theories and allegations. But it's going to take time and it's going to take people getting more informed and educated about the uh about the process and understanding that just because they're still counting votes on the Wednesday morning after the election doesn't mean they're sitting down there marking them, counting them. These are already right. been cast. They're legally right. processed and they've just got to get, get to them. Because it's not a machine. Because you still have the human element. In yeah. These. You've got, you've got, you know, boxes and boxes of ballots that have to be fed into scanners that have to be cataloged. And like you talked about, you know, uh, chain of custody, and making sure that things go, go get scanned twice and make sure that everything's accounted for. Make sure you don't forget a bag or a box someplace that forgets. Gets. Right. And, and, and it's a just very painstaking detailed work. And if you, if you don't do it that way, you're going to make a mistake. And then you're going to have to come back and say, Oh, well, we thought we were done, but then we found, you know, uh, we found, you know, 2000 more ballots and boy, that right. for confidence. Um, right. So, do you do you see any change to the training? Like any, do you see anything that will change with that? Not that people aren't properly trained, but do you think that the training will change to basically with the with the political landscape of just how elections run? People will have to be trained in different ways on different scenarios. I think it. I think it's going to have to be in, improved and increased, and that that's where you come up with questions of budgets because you know election offices are not like police departments. Actually, worse than police departments don't get a lot of money. And so they've got to, to make do with what they have. And so, you know, as the stakes get higher, um, people are going to realize you've really got to limit mistakes. Right. You can't have people that don't know what they're doing out there in elections, because if you do, 
going to cause big problems and it's going to hurt the system. So I do think that that counties are going to have to uh, continue to step up their training um, and continue to, to practice and to drill and to, to improve their procedures. Most of the places do an excellent job, but all it takes is one or two errors someplace and in the, the bad, right. you know, the, the, the bad stuff gets on everybody. Yeah, but then you have something like this whole thing, like let's just go back to, you know, they're pulling stuff out of the, you know, underneath the table or all this other stuff. And, and, and it's simply like, hey, these guys were tired. And this is where we stored them, and this is where our this this is where this was was our chain of custody. This is who was watching it. This is who was, you know. But it, it, to be more transparent about that, but I don't think I think in in my opinion, no matter what you do, Chris, or what anybody does across the country, what whatever party you you root for, I don't think that's ever going to go like. Even if you were to say, hey, this is what happened, this is what happened, you're still going to have that other party going, nah, that's bogus, that didn't happen, or whatever, instead of going, okay, that makes logical sense. They had the chain of custody. If I want to, I could FOIA the reports, and you know, let's just move on. You win, you win, you lose, you lose. Yeah, and that that's but, – but when the stakes are so high and the margins are so close, you're, you're going to have to deal with that, and you have to be prepared to – to, to really step up and, and, and do a good job. And like I said, the vast, vast majority of, of the counties do that every single day. And, and they only, they only notice when you make a mistake. I mean, if you have an election and nobody right. cares, it means the counties did everything right. And nobody cares. That's the best they can get is nobody cares. They do one thing wrong. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, you know, Vladimir Putin's, you know, twin body. Right. Right. I mean, and you get, when you listen to what Chris is saying here and you hear the same things being said about cops, there are so many good people involved yep. in the process that want to be involved. And one little thing turns everyone into this and everybody that's involved in elections is somehow on the take. It's like, if we keep convincing people to stop participating in the process, it's not just going to be as simple as people just don't want to go in and vote. Nobody even wants to oversee it. And then that lends itself to its own fair share of problems. So again, I'd say, I mean, it was great to, to be able to talk with you about this, Chris, and you shed so much light on it. I mean, they definitely, you can tell you come from an educational background because that was probably some of the most informative stuff I have ever heard regarding elections. Like I go in and I vote and I feel bad if I don't get a chance to vote, you know what I mean? That's really where it's at for me. And you know, that comes from maybe living in places where I knew it was always going to go the way it was going to go anyway. But in the same sense, you still do your civic duty. Well, if people lose faith in that process, that's bad enough, but it's still a choice of yours. But if people lose faith in the process of overseeing it and wanting to help, then you start to look at like what happens in law enforcement, who wants to do this now? And are we getting the best quality people we can? And Chris, that'd be another great show for you to come back and talk about this about like your post stuff with Georgia would be huge. I mean, if you're inclined to talk about this, because um, that's a whole other thing that we, we, we struggle with. And, and, and what we worry about a lot and we talk about on the show is the undermining of the very democracy that's got us all to this point. And this is constantly happening and some of the things for that. So that point of talking about the probably, biggest part of the process. People don't have to be the police. They don't have to even interact with the police by and large, unless the police are there to work with you. But elections is what 
elections are what make us Americans. You know, I mean, the first grand scale on that level where an election nor any person can go in and cast a vote and how many people had to fight to get that right, like women and then African-Americans and then fair elections for African-Americans and a lot of places like the South and things like that. Um, it, it's great that you were able to come in and kind of shed some light on that. And I really appreciate you taking the time for that. So if you could give us a plug real quick on what you're working on on the side there, Chris, that sounds pretty interesting. And then anything else you got? Right. I got, I got one last question. One last question. All right, Chris, your thoughts on uh, identifications for voting. Give it to me. Um, I think it's a reasonable, uh, reasonable thing to do. Um, when, when Georgia implemented, Georgia was one of the first states that implemented um, photo ID for voting, and, and voting went up across every demographic group. Voter registration and voter participation has gone up in Georgia every year for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Um, it's there, there's been almost no evidence that shows that it keeps people from voting. I think it's a reasonable thing to do. And I think most people now realize that, that regardless of what intent people may have had in doing that, it's just such a part of our, our world today to have an ID to, to do almost anything. Most people consider that pretty reasonable. I think, I think that battle largely over. Right. All right. Okay, perfect. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Chris, your plug, man. Go for it. What you guys are working on the side? Yeah, I'm working with a group called the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections, and it's made up of of law enforcement professionals and election professionals um, who uh, who basically get together and we we go out and we speak and we meet with groups of election officials and law enforcement officials and kind of tell the other their story. Um, I've spoken in, in front of the National Sheriff's Association. I was out in Colorado for the National Association of Counties. Um, I've spoken at both the Georgia Chiefs and Georgia Sheriff's Association. And what I try to do is, is tell the, the law enforcement how important it is that they support the elections folks and tell the elections folks how important it is that they integrate with the law enforcement. Now, that doesn't mean you need you know 50 cops at every polling place. You don't want them to have a suppressive effect or a fearful effect. Right. But- the fact is elections are such such um, well-planned events that you've got things like you've got to be storing ballots, you've got to be storing machines, you're going to have multiple polling places. You know that polling places in some areas are going to be very tense situations. You may have demonstrations, you may have uh, political unrest, you may have crowd control issues, and you don't want the cops to learn about that at 8 o'clock on the morning of election. Right. You want to right. meet with them in advance, let them know where stuff's happening, when stuff's happening, and so that they can with you on that. And so um, you can go to safeelections.org and uh, we've got, gosh, probably 20 or 30 people, including the former Cook County um, uh, elections director, Noah Prates, who was uh, the elections director there for about 20 years. Um, the election, the former election director for, I think, Orange County, California. Um, it's a bipartisan group. It, it's got people from the, we've got center left, we've got center right, we've got law enforcement, we've got, you know, uh, elections folks. And we're trying to to do what you talked about earlier, Sean, is restoring the faith in the process and also giving a heads up and giving a, a handout to the election workers that are de- dealing with all these threats and this harassment so that law right. enforcement takes that seriously and says, look, you can't threaten to kill somebody. You can't threaten to blow up polling places and get away with it. That's not free speech. Right. In Georgia, that's right. a felony. Right. right. Yeah. And it's not just for just right. like people think, oh, right. if you say right. something bad about the president, they'll come find you. Now it's going to be like, you. Can, this is all of us involved in this process, killing cops, threatening voting, uh, voting officials. 
our own leaders are doing this and it's scary stuff. So it's great that that's on board. And again, I can't thank you enough, Chris, for taking the time. And I appreciate you as a classmate. I also definitely appreciate you probably way more now <laughs> as what you're doing for our country. And I'm, I'm right, betting you money, 100%. guys. Thanks, you're going to see his mug on national TV in that next election for sure. I, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, oh, man. If they're, it's not. Smile they're messing pretty, up. Smile they're, not, pretty. they're messing it's up, coming. brother. Thank it's you. Coming. I, uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate Thanks, guys. it. Uh, yeah. have you Thanks. guys having Thanks, me on Chris. there and, and talking about the subject because it's really important. Um, and uh, I wish you continued success with your show, and I'll be happy to come back anytime. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Chris. And for Absolutely. all the listeners, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen. And if you want to leave a question or comment, you can go to our website, old episodes, listen to them, download them. But please go to where you get your podcast, download it, subscribe to it, leave a comment. Thank you all so much. And thank you for get, letting us get the word out and educating people to make the world a better place. See thank yep. you. Yep. See you. Ever wanted to ask a police officer a question? Mail your questions to 3CopsTalk at gmail.com. That's the number three, cops talk at gmail.com, and we'll answer them on the show. Follow us on Instagram at three cops talk. That's the number three, cops talk. Thanks for listening and stay safe out there.